Welcome to the New Hope 365 podcast. Beginning September 13th, we will once again be offering in-person gatherings as well as online services. We will have an in-person service at 9 a.m. that will be streamed live. We will also offer a family service at 10.30 a.m. You can find all the information and details about each service by visiting our website, newhope365.church. And now, here is today's message. Hallelujah, our God reigns. Isn't that so good as you sing that? Hallelujah, praise the Lord, our God reigns, and that he does. And it is so important today that we don't forget how that we don't forget that he reigns he's on the throne and no matter what is going on around the globe what's going on in our city in our in our communities in the in the state or whatever we know that god is faithful and nothing is shocking to him nothing and today we continue on in a series entitled reality the battle between good and evil and this this uh, series has particularly why I've wanted us to make sure that we understand that what is going on around us in, in going on around us in the seen world and going on around us in the unseen world that, that we know that there's a battle that is raging and we can't forget that what, when we when we look at politics and we look at what's putting put on our televisions and we're watching on on the internet and we're listening in podcasts and all that and we're going oh there's a lot of hate and there's a lot of volatility understand that this is not about one party or another party it's not about one race or another race it's truly behind the scenes the enemy fueling hate and violence and animosity and tensions and i want us to never forget that that's the battle. And so this good versus evil, we continue on. A few weeks ago, I talked about identity. I hope you can go back and wrestle that down and understand your identity in Jesus Christ. And last week, I talked about internal vows that we make, that we need to, that we need to uh, make sure that the never again statements that we make, that if we make those statements, that they align with the Word of God, versus just us making them on our own. Today, this is something that I want us to wrap our mind around and really grow to understand Satan's counterfeit clothes. Satan's counterfeit clothes. And I have been talking for this entire summer on the reality that for everything that God establishes is good and right and just Satan always has a counterfeit. And so today we look at this counterfeit close. And I'm going to read to you a letter that has been put out, and it's actually for public to see, so I'm not using it in any way that's inappropriate. It was given to Mark and Grace Driscoll, and Grace then responds to the letter. And the letter I thought, was a good segue into all things this battle in this satanic counterfeit clothes that the enemy wants to place on you. So here we go. It says, Dear Mark and Grace, I really hope you answer my question. I have had this question in my mind since I was very young. 
I was abused sexually. I have no one to talk to about it. And I have prayed and seen your videos since I was 14. In your videos, you say, we can get cleansed by Jesus. But something I feel very guilty for is not only that I have never been a virgin, but that I had sex after my abuse. So I feel that any chance of being clean with my body was sabotaged because of it. I don't feel good enough for a man or God, and as much as I want to believe that Jesus doesn't judge me harshly for it, I just can't. What do I do? I know there are other women who are pure, and I am just not, or ever was. How do I cleanse myself through Jesus? How do I take all this feeling of not being good enough for anyone because I'm so impure? I have cried so much about this over the years, and I don't know how to deal with it. I hope you answer my question. P.S. How should I live my life from now on if I want to be seen pure through God's eyes? And I love this response from Grace. Dear, and I won't put the name out here, dear so-and-so, as a mother of two daughters, this story brought tears and deep grief to my heart as I read it. It's wrong, and it's not what God wants to happen to sweet young girls. It's evil. It's hard to forgive. It's scarring to your soul as a young woman. It's something you cannot erase. I'm so very sorry. Though it requires grieving and working through these wounds, the other part of your story can include healing and forgiveness and purity in God's eyes. You've been courageous to share what happened and how you are feeling right now. God doesn't want you to live under the shame and condemnation the enemy continually uses to haunt you. Though your earthly father perhaps didn't protect you, your heavenly father wants you to experience freedom from the shame of both of the sins against you and the sins committed later. You are loved and valuable and precious to the father. As I worked through my own abuse, I wept, got angry, and shared with people I trusted, including Christian counselors. Then I wept some more and asked God to heal me in ways that only he could. I wrote a processing letter, not to be shared with others, to vent all the hurt, anger, and pain I was feeling. At the end of the letter, I asked the Lord to help me forgive my abuser and take the burden of shame and impurity from me. It wasn't the last time I had to forgive because there was times I was reminded of the horror and had to forgive again. Forgiveness doesn't require you to reconcile with your abuser. It just means you've handed it over to God and you trust him to deal with it. Over time, I felt the burden lift and a freedom replace it. Eventually, after God helped me see myself through his eyes, a redeemed, pure, loved daughter because of Jesus' death on the cross, I was able to share my story without vengeful desires and help others get free from the bondage of Satan's condemnation. I wouldn't be writing this now if God was anything other than faithful in healing me. I've seen him bring about freedom in so many women's lives, which is the opposite of what the enemy wants. Be encouraged that the moment you accepted Jesus 
God saw you as clean because of what Jesus did for you. Not dirty because of what was done to you. I am so glad you wrote to us and we are praying for you. Sincerely, Grace. Every day, we wake up and decide what we will wear, right? We, we hope you decide that you'll wear something. We all appreciate that. We, what we wear sometimes is how we perceive ourselves, so we dress how we may perceive ourselves or, or how we want others, we want to present ourselves to others. That's how we dress. Did you know that the devil and demons also like to dress people and are trying to dress you? Satan wants to take the filth of sin that you've committed and he wants to use those things and wear the guilt and shame. In fact, if you have your Bibles, turn to Zechariah in the Old Testament, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And in this revelation that is given in Zechariah, Joshua, representing you, representing me, and all of God's people, is standing between two people. One is the versus an angel of the Lord. And, and I just want to draw a quick understanding here in the Bible. When you see the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, the angel is it's, it's representing a messenger from God. But when it is used as the angel of the Lord, it is in fact the person of Jesus Christ. If it says, of, if you see it and it is an angel of the Lord, it is an other, what I, what I would say is one of God's divine counsel, his angels, but it is not the person of Jesus Christ. And so we have here the, this messenger, and this messenger, the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ, here in, this, in these scripture verses. And let's look at Zechariah 3, verses 1 through 5. Then the angel of the Lord showed me, Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, that is, Jesus Christ. The accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand making accusations against Joshua. Now, remember, this is representing us, you, me, and against Joshua. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusations, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you, this man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. Joshua's clothing was filthy as he stood there before the angel. So the angel said to the others standing there, take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Joshua, he said, see, I have taken away your sins, and now I am giving you these fine new clothes. Then he said, they should also place a clean turban on his head so they can put a clean priest, so they put a clean priestly turban on his head and dressed him in new clothes while the angel of the Lord stood by. So here's, here's the picture coming out of Zechariah for us today. Picture with me That Satan, the father of lies, the counterfeiter of everything, there's no truth in him. 
He is the very essence of untruth. He is the very essence of deception and lies. And he's coming against you. And he's bringing accusations against you. And it's like he's taking all of this stuff, all of your, your, the physical things you've done wrong and hurling it at you, all the things that you've done emotionally wrong and hurling it at you, all the things that you've done spiritually wrong and taking it out of the bucket and hurling it at you, like a bucket of feces he's taking and he's throwing at you and you're getting darker, 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 and, and it's coming on you. And not only that, things that you have done, he's throwing against you, but also he's reaching in. And all all the stuff that people have done to you over the years, sexual abuse, pulling it out, physical abuse, pulling it out, lies, he's pulling it out, he's throwing it at you. And then as as you are there, he then seeks to cover your mouth so that you can't speak. He then seeks to cover not only your mouth, but your eyes so that you cannot see. And here you, here you stand, dejected, rejected, looking down, blinded, speechless, lost. And here's Satan. Here's you. But over here stands another, and his name is Jesus. What does he do? He comes, and he removes that which is designed to squelch your voice, and he removes the blinders from your eyes. And he takes, and he begins to take off the garments of darkness, and he begins to clean you up, and he takes and what you are wearing, let's see if I can do this without flashing all of you, and he takes, and all of a sudden, that which was dark over you is changed. And in Zechariah 3, it shows that he puts this garment of white over you, and he says to the divine counsel of God, put on him the turban, and in this case, it's a longhorn's hat that sits on my head, but it represents white. Hook him. And he puts that on us, and on top of it, he gives us eyes to see who we truly are in Christ Jesus. The picture you saw was what the enemy would do to you. Here's the enemy. Here's you. Here's Jesus coming and cleansing and taking care and showing you that in all of the rejection, all of the shame, he has removed it. And no longer do you have to live with the feces bucket with the shame and the guilt and all of that. On the cross, Jesus spiritually wore what? Our filthy garments. 
And to remind us of this, what did he do? Jesus walked away from the grave and he left his grave clothes in essence to say, not only do you not need those grave clothes, those sinful, shameful clothes, I don't need those shameful, sinful clothes. You were forgiven. No one, including us or Jesus, ever needs to put on the garments that the enemy desires us to wear. So, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him, that is Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the what? The righteousness of God in, in Jesus, in Christ Jesus. I love Martin Luther calls this the great exchange. He's saying, I'm going to take your clothes, put them on me, and I'm going to clothe you with garments that are pure, my righteousness being placed on you. Sadly, many of us Christians continue to wear old spiritual garments of sin and shame, disgust, defilement, filth, and failure. And it's a bit like if you know the story of Lazarus in the Bible. Lazarus, a friend of Jesus. And I won't read the entire story to you, but it says in John chapter 11, verse 1, that there was a man named Lazarus, and he was sick. Lazarus was a friend of the rabbi, the teacher, the Messiah, Jesus. And Lazarus got sick, and Jesus was told, and by the time Jesus even made motion to go to visit Lazarus, Lazarus had already died. And grieving began to take place, and Lazarus was wrapped in grave clothes, and he was put in a tomb. And then Jesus finally shows up. And in verse 39 of John chapter 11, Jesus says, roll the stone aside. Now, mind you, Lazarus is dead. Jesus shows up. There's a lot of motion and commotion going on because why, if you'd just been here, Jesus, you could have healed. You could heal. And we're going to talk about that next week in the spiritual realm, the healing. But today, they're looking and they're going, you could have healed. But they didn't know that Jesus had power over death, hell, and the grave, and Jesus had power because of the Spirit of God working in and through him. And he says, roll the stone away. But Martha said, the sister of Lazarus, the dead man's sister protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. And the smell will be terrible. Or if you read the King James Version, it says, he stinketh. And then Jesus, hearing this, four days, grave clothes, grieving, all of that, all of a sudden you come to verse 43 in John chapter 11, and Jesus shouts, Lazarus, come forth. I like what one theologian, British, British theologian said. He said, it's a good thing that Jesus said Lazarus because otherwise the graves all around there would have been emptied out. Lazarus, come out. He's still wearing 
He comes out still wearing his old clothes. And what happens is those friends come and he says, take the clothes off of Lazarus. And they went and they took the grave clothes off of Lazarus. And for some of us today as we listen, we need good, godly, Christian men and women to help us understand that the clothes we've been wearing, we don't ever ever have to put on again. And they can help us. And they can help us remove and see where the things need to be taken off, just like in this situation with Lazarus. And hmm, many Christians are like Lazarus. Satan buried them filthy in grave clothes, but Jesus brought us forth and did what? Cleansed us. Clothed us. And gave us those things to wear. And the old clothes are what? Satan's counterfeits. To the new clothes Jesus has for you. And if you think for a minute that the old clothes, you may go, well, it feels comfortable. It, it just feels right and all of that. I'm telling you, eventually you will die in the counterfeit clothes of Satan. So sin has definitely stained our souls. Look, at, here's some scriptures that show and reveal what these clothes can be like. In Psalms 106, verse 39, it says, they defiled themselves by their evil deeds, and their love of idols was adultery in the Lord's sight. What happened is there was these clothes that Scripture talks about of defilement that people lived in and walked in, and it was an abomination to God. It's like those that were to love God cheated on God by the things that they worshipped as greater than God. Some people, Proverbs 30, verses 11 and 12 says, some people curse their father and do not thank their mother. They are pure in their own eyes, but they are filthy. They are defiled and unwashed. Mark 7, verse 20 says, and then he added, this is coming off the sermon in the Sermon of the Mount, it is what comes from the inside that defiles you. Remember Jesus talking about it was no longer just that you, that you, did an act that was defilement is actually you thinking those thoughts and it was from the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks and he says now what's on the inside you are accountable for the effect of sin particularly sexual sin committed against us is, is it's that we we feel dirty right that's why many who have are victims of sexual Assaults, they often take showers in the hope that they'll feel clean not only outside, but that they'll feel clean inside. Why? They've been defiled. The Bible uses the word defiled in the reference to sexual sins such as rape and incest and adultery. In fact, if you go and you look at Genesis 34 verse 5, it says, Soon Jacob heard that Shechem had defiled his daughter, Dinah. But since his sons were out in the fields, herding his livestock, he said nothing until they returned. What had happened here is rape. Defilement. First Chronicles 5.1, Now the uh, sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but for as much as he defiled his father's bed, 
His birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, and the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright. What he had done is he had given himself over, Reuben had given himself over to sexual sin, and there was defilement to the point that he was not even to be recognized. Beyond sexual sin, though, there are all kinds of other causes for our defilement. That, the things that, that, that uh, make us feel and look dark. We feel evil or we feel sinful. We feel ashamed. But beyond that, there's all kinds of other causes for our defilement, including demonic involvement with the occult and false religion, violence and trauma, all of these types of things. In fact, Leviticus 19.31, just to give you just a little understanding, it says, do not defile yourself by turning to mediums, that is, sorcerers, witches, those in the occult, those worshiping and seeking to, to manipulate what is natural and making it unnatural. Don't, don't go to them. To those who consult the spirits of the dead, don't defile yourself by them, for I am the Lord your God. So the Bible mentions... There's three categories of defilement. And these are things that I want us to continue to wrestle today and understand that if you've given your life to Jesus, he sees you like this, not in darkness. But giving us an understanding of, of defilement can help us understand the things that we may need to deal with and we may need to move on with our life because we've been wearing the counterfeit, demonic, clothes that God says you don't have to wear. So here's three categories of defilement. First, places can be defiled. Places. So we tend to avoid locations where something demonic or traumatic happened, places that then we would say are, you know, haunted or unholy. What defiled places, question, what defiled places are you avoiding when possible? Bible says in Leviticus 18, verses 24 through 30, do not defile yourself in any of these ways. It's talking about if you went back and you read a portion of scripture prior to this text, you'll see that there was all kinds of sexual, twisted sin occurring here. And, and God spoke to this. And this is what he says after all of these strange sexual things that are not of God were taking place. He says, don't defile yourself in any of these ways. For the people I am driving out before you have defiled themselves in all these ways. Because the entire land has become defiled, I am punishing the people who live there. I will cause the land to vomit them out. You must obey all my decrees and regulations. You must not commit any of these detestable sins. This applies both to native-born Israelites and to the foreigners living among you. All these detestable activities are practiced by the people of the land where I'm taking you. And this is how the land has become defiled. So do not defile the land and give it a reason to vomit you out as it will vomit out the people who live there now. Whoever commits any of these detestable sins will be cut off from the community of Israel. So obey my instructions, verse 30, and do not defile yourself by, command, by committing any of these detestable practices that were committed by the people who lived in the land before you. I am the Lord your God. You see, God has set people apart. The nation of Israel, he had set them apart to go, this is my people, this is the way they're to live. They are wholly set apart from me. I'm going to show you what my kingdom looks like on earth, and therefore you are to live that way and represent me. That's why when they began to turn their back on God, 
and they began to uh, show and, and, and integrate with other nations that were sinful and idolatrous, God is saying, I'm going to judge you because here is the deal. I'm a just God, and I'm not going to take these in this behavior anymore because you represent me, so either you represent me or you don't. And God is speaking to this saying, you are to live other than all the nations of the world. And of course, the people on earth in the real, live, physical state was foretelling of what the people in the spiritual state and the grafting of the vine that would be all over the world that is called Christians to this day. And so, it's important for us to know that these places, if there are places that can be defiled, objects, number two, such as the marriage bed, can be defiled. Some people, their own body or home might feel defiled, and I've counseled people over the years that feel that way, and the question I have for you is, what things feel defiled to you? Hebrews 13 verse 4 says that marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers God will judge. And so there may be things from your past and there may be even things in the present that are defiled that you are, whether you're having sex outside of marriage or whether you're having an affair and living in, in, and uh, taking God's best for you and going away from that. These are things that God says that defiles you and it needs to be dealt with. Objects such as the marriage bed can be, can be defiled. And, and the third thing that can be defiled is people. We can be defiled. The Old Testament and the gospel records people who were ritually unclean. They had to wash and do certain things. or they, when, if, they, if they didn't wash and they walked around and they had certain diseases, and if, they had, if they practiced certain things and all that, they could not be touched. People couldn't. It's kind of like this. Social distancing occurred in the Old Testament. So if we think this social distancing thing is anything new in culture, sadly, the result of social distancing in the Old Testament was a result of sin. And what we see in the result of social distancing now is undoubtedly a result of sin as well because we're in a fallen world. And so what do we do? We pray for the pandemic to end so that eventually we can hug one another as brothers and sisters. But people can be defiled. The ceremonial washings and such throughout the Old Testament, I love this, these Old Testament ceremonial washings and cleansing power show of the death and resurrection of Jesus. It's a foreshadowing of the cleansing power of what Jesus has done on the cross in his death and his resurrection. So the predictable result of defilement for any of us is shame, including the fear of being found out or being known and having our deep, dark secret revealed. And God created our first parents, Adam and Eve, and they were what? Naked and not afraid, not ashamed, but they became defiled. And what happened when they were defiled? They hid. And thankfully, God came and did what? He clothed them as a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do for us on the cross. God did what? Took off their garments and shame, and replace them with garments of grace. Did you get that? He takes off the garments of shame and places on them the garments of grace, and he does the same for you, and he does the same for me. 
And so we no longer wear what was done by us or done to us. Instead, we wear what we wear. What we must wear is what Jesus has done for us. I love what Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3 says. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, what? He endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, for consider him who endured, endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. So we thank you, God, today for your amazing grace that, in, that we don't have to live with the counterfeit clothes of defilement. We don't have to live, we don't have to dwell in the places of defilement. We don't have to God, uh, uh, live in our marriage and, and, and sexually, we don't have to live with that defilement anymore. We don't have to live with the foreign things that the enemy brings over. Thank you, God. We don't, we don't have to live as an individual in defilement because you have clothed us with your righteousness, Jesus. You've clothed us with your righteousness, and we thank you. So, you may be wondering, well, I, um, I've got a lot of shame. I've got a lot of pain. I've got a lot of fear. I don't want to be found out. I, I haven't even brought out hardly anything from my past, but it haunts me. I wrestle with it still to this day. I'm struggling. I, I continue to defile myself in whatever ways you may be doing that. And this is how you may practically walk in the light. Taking off, your filthy clothes begins with what? Confessing what you've been wearing. Maybe you have been wearing brokenness and regrets and abuses and sins and pains, and you know that you can take them off. And practically, that means prayerfully and carefully choosing a safe person. This is huge. It could be me. It could be someone close to you. It could be some other leader that you would trust, that you would prayerfully and carefully choose that safe person to be a wise counsel and confidant and bring it out and go this and, and not holding back, not leaving anything in the corner to collect dust or sitting there. That, that Even though you're living your life, you know back in the corner there's this secret thing that is still there eating eating your lunch every day or often, and it's keeping you from becoming the individual that God desires you to be. So, some spiritual rituals. So, getting that confidant, finding that person, taking and laying out those things are huge, and getting them to be brought into the light. But there's some other things that can remind you of what God has done and cleaned you up hey, when you're going to take your stuff to the laundry, you can have a whisper prayer that says, God, as I take these clothes, and just like I'm getting ready to wash them, I want to thank you that you have washed me clean. Things like cleaning your dishes, 
washing your hands or face, taking a shower. You can get under the, well, this is how I've always wanted to use this. You can get under the spout where the glory comes out. It's an old preacher saying, Baptist preacher. Anyway, and you can get under that shower and you can say, God, as I cleanse myself physically, I ask God, or I thank you, God, that you have cleansed me, that I'm no longer am I, am I seen as someone who is wicked and vile and evil. I'm seen as the righteousness of yours, God, in Christ Jesus. Things like laundry, washing your face, taking a shower, brushing your teeth, practical things to remember as you as you look to worship God and understand that he has made you clean in his sight. And lastly, every once in a while, you know what we all need to do? We all need to put a little white on when we get up in the morning and we go about our day. You put something white on as a reminder that that's how God sees you. Because when he looks at you, he sees Jesus. Not only does Jesus forgive, but he makes you clean. He makes you clean. Last verse, Revelation 19, verses 7 through 8, is imagery of this, not only forgiving, but making clean. He said, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made himself ready. In other words, the church is the bride of what? The bride of Christ. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, today I pray over your church, those that are part of the New Hope 365 family, and any of, the, any of those that may be listening outside and to other places, those online and different platforms listening, I pray, Heavenly Father, that today that they will understand that Satan's counterfeit clothes don't have to be wear, worn anymore. That Jesus, you put new clothes, you put the new turban on our head, you put the new clothes on our body, and literally when you see us, Jesus, you see your righteousness. Would you awaken your church to that reality? And that God, if there's anything that we need to deal with, God, that we would, that anything that's defiled us over the years, whether that is we were a victim, or we were the victimizer, or, or, or God, other things that may have taken place, that God, we can take those things and bring them out, and you forgive us? And if we, have been, if we have given our life genuinely to you, Jesus, even though those things may still be beneath the surface, it doesn't, doesn't stop our salvation, but we need to continue to understand, oh God, that we are pure through Jesus Christ, and no longer do we have to wear Satan's counterfeit so right now, would you awaken your church to that new reality, to that reality if they haven't embraced it? Thank you, Jesus. If there's anybody else and you're listening and you go, I need, I need to be prayed over, I pray that right now the Lord will help you to come out with those things of defilement that have captured you and you'll bring them out and they'll be dealt with. And then, Lord Jesus, if there's anybody it is listening that hasn't known you or hasn't come to you, hasn't experienced your grace and hasn't experienced your salvation, hasn't experienced the transformation of the removing of the counterfeit clothes that Satan has on us and, and, and hasn't experienced the new clothes put on us, spiritually speaking, that today that they would repent of their sins, ask for forgiveness, 
and embrace you, Jesus, as their personal Lord and Savior. Help them today. Help them today to cross that line in faith and, oh God, to become your child for the rest of eternity. Thank you, Jesus. In your awesome and mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd like to remind you to visit our website, newhope365.church. That's newhope, the numbers 365.church for all the information about our new in-person services and to keep up with all the latest news about what's happening here at New Hope 365.